Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How did you know that you were ready to start a family? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 62 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and I'm so excited for today's episode. We're going to be sitting down with Desiree, who didn't think that she wanted children until the moment she held her first daughter in her arms. It is an emotional, incredible episode, and I know you're going to love it as much as I did. Before we jump into that, I want to go ahead and take a moment to thank our reviewer of the week, and that is Redeemed by Jesus 4. And she says, always learning. I so enjoy this podcast. I am pregnant and planning my fourth home birth. I'm learning so much from all the different stories shared on the podcast and loving it. Thank you for your amazing work. Thank you for your review, Redeemed by Jesus 4. And if you would send me an email at Caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I will be sending you a Happy Home Birth Podcast sticker. And guys, don't forget, there is some amazing merchandise available at myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash merch. And that was created by my great friend, Rachel, the dope doula. Give Birth on Your Turf t-shirts. All, actually, not just t-shirts. They're sweatshirts, tank tops, all kinds of adorable things. I am super, super excited about this. So I hope you guys enjoy that merchandise. Um, and don't forget, Happy Home Birth Candles are available as well. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast in that way. It really means a lot to me so that I can keep this bad boy going and we can share all these amazing stories that are coming up. All right. That is pretty much all that I have for you right now. I've uh, Lillian says hello. She's taking a little nursing break right now from the podcasting world. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical providers, so please continue to see your doctor, midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Desiree, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm so excited to hear your stories, and I would love for you to start by just introducing yourself to the listeners. Sure. Uh, My name is Desiree Stott-Rogers. I am a documentary photographer who specializes in family and birth. I'm married to my husband, John. Uh, He's a musician and composer. Uh, We've lived kind of all over, but currently we're (laughs) south of Portland out in beautiful Oregon. Um, and we have two girls. My oldest, Fairlight, is three and a half, and then Willa True is one and a half. Oh, those are such beautiful names. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I love them. Well, so before we started recording, you actually mentioned that, you know, your journey to actually even wanting children was was c- kind of different. So I would love to hear your perspective of that and, and what it was like for you to decide to want to become a mother. Sure. Uh, yeah. Until my daughter, the, until the minute my daughter was born, um, I actually never reached a point where I wanted to have mm. children. Um, and I don't usually talk about this because I think we all know women that tried for years or can't conceive and it's heartbreaking. Um, and I feel very blessed to have been able 
to have my two girls. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about it because it was a really lonely and long journey to be a woman who never really felt that desire to have children. Um, I think we, you know, we, we get judged for how we get pregnant, when we get pregnant and the children we have or don't have, and if we work or not. And, um, and I just felt like, um, although I never judged anybody for choosing not to have kids, I felt like something was broken inside of me or I wasn't really fully a woman because I never had that desire. Um, and it was really lonely. There weren't a lot of women I could talk to about that. Um, cause most of the women I knew wanted children. Um, and there were a couple that didn't, but they definitely didn't. And I always said I was like 98% sure I didn't want children. <laughs> mm. Um, so, you know, getting married, that was interesting. I was, uh, married my husband. I was 28 and he was 30 and I had been very open with him about, um, not wanting kids and, um, not seeing myself as a, as a mom. And, um, he was open with the fact that although he didn't want children at that point, that he had always seen himself with kids. Hmm. So we weren't sure where <laughs> that, where our marriage would take us. Um, right. We both could agree that we didn't want children then. Um, so I, I had an IUD, so it wasn't, you know, we thought, oh, in five years we'll reevaluate and, five years comes pretty quickly (laughs) and you reevaluate. And I was still at the point where I did not want children. And he, at that point was still at that point as well. He's like, I, you know, one day I would, but not right now. And that great, you know, we're on the same page and time goes on and you, you get older and, um, about eight or nine years, I can't remember which, into our marriage, he came to me one day and he said, I'm not pressuring you at all. I just want you to know that if you came to me and said you were willing to have a child, I would be really happy to to Mm. do that. Um, And that threw me into a lot of anxiety, a lot of darkness, (laughs) a lot of therapy appointments, Mm. Um, um, and a lot of that same feeling of what's wrong with me. I just felt like something was wrong with me. I had, you know, many friends told me, don't worry, one day you'll just wake up and you'll want a baby. And that never came. And I had to accept that that was never going to come. Um, And then about nine years into our marriage, I don't know if it was because I was getting older or what shifted, but I thought, you know, you start thinking about where do I want to be in life when I'm in my sixties, you know, and or when I'm older, what do I, what are the dreams I have? What do I want to pursue? Where are we going uh, as a couple? And, and shockingly, when I asked myself that question, I, I pictured kids, I pictured college age kids, but <laughs> I pictured kids, but they were mine. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I would often joke if I could just birth college age kids, I'm in like, that'd be great. Um, um, yeah. And so that was that little twinge of, well, that was unexpected. Um, cause I really, really did not want children. I was terrified of it. I loved our life. I didn't want it to change. I didn't feel, um, motherly. I'm a caretaker in general. I caretake for everybody around me. I love caring for people, but I didn't have that kind of mother desire in me. Um, but I did 
I kind of came to the conclusion that I was making a decision for my future self because mm. I, in my, you know, my older years, I had that feeling of I might regret not having kids. And so, yeah, I, I, I told John, I'm making the decision for my future self because my present self still does not want children. <laughs> um, but I came to him one day and I said, I'm willing to see what happens but I don't want to try to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Right. And even that was terrifying and very lonely because if you tell your friends who have babies or kids that you might, you know, you might be willing to try, they get really excited, but you're like, wait, but I'm not excited about this. I'm terrified. (laughs) And then you tell your friends that they know they don't want kids. They're just like, can't relate at all. Mm. And so, um, It was a lot of anxiety. And I also told him, I said, look, I can't just decide, like point at a date on a calendar and be like, next Tuesday, we're going to stop using protection. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I need, I need time and I need something significant. Like I I can't just be like, oh, in two and a half weeks, you know? And so a month later, we were going to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. Um, And I said, okay on the trip we're going on a trip so we'll we'll stop using protection um and in my mind I just kind of thought um honestly I've known a lot of people that have had troubles conceiving and I just kind of assumed we would too (laughs) um and we go on the trip and I thought oh I should look at where I'm at in my cycle and I look at my phone and my app says I'm John, I start laughing and John says what and I said I'm ovulating and he <laughs>, laughs yeah I had not even thought to check that before we went on a trip um and he laughs and he's like well you never know and in my mind I'm like oh you silly man you don't know what you're talking about it doesn't happen the first time right <laughs> yeah so skip ahead five weeks and turns out it does feeling it. <laughs> yeah it does. <laughs> For all of you wondering, it does. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, five weeks later, I the day before I was going to leave my husband to go across country to do some photography work. <laughs> and he, I was three days late and super nauseous. But... In my mind, this is totally normal because although I travel regularly for work, I always, I'm not uh, a very good flyer, get a little nervous. <laughs> so Same. I'm always nauseous before. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, no matter how much you do it. Um, <laughs> so I always get nauseous and I always, if I'm really stressed out, you know, my period will come maybe three or four days late, totally normal. So I was like, no, 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 no. But he was really persistent. So I got, went to the dollar store. I was like, I'm not spending money on this. I went to the dollar store. I got four tests because I was like, this one's going to be negative, but we'll probably need some around the house. Uh, Went home, forgot about it because I was so convinced that this could not be happening. Um, Eventually took the test. I was alone. He was at work. He was at the studio and um, came back and there were two lines. And I think I read the insert five times. Um, I, I, yeah. Oh, this doesn't mean pregnant, does it? No, no, it doesn't. Um, Proceeded to take the other three tests. um, Obviously. And for, yeah, 
for about 10 minutes had totally convinced myself that I had gotten a bad batch and like the factory messed it up that makes them and just, you know, everybody is pregnant with this bad batch and was totally convinced that like I needed to go buy a different one. Um, but I remember pacing my house being utterly terrified. I was shaking and crying. I was saying, no, I was saying, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Um, and he, <laughs> my poor husband, he walked in. I couldn't speak. I handed him off for a test and was sobbing. <laughs> and he looked at them and said, does this mean you're pregnant? And I started sobbing harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to his great credit, he took me in his arms and just helped me and let me cry and cry and cry. Uh, it still makes me emotional because um, me emotional. he was so happy. Yeah. He was so happy. And yet in that moment, he was just there for me um, and let me feel what I needed to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he whispered in my ear, he said, I know you're scared, but I want you to know I'm really happy. And that just, um, it didn't take away any of the fear, but it just felt like I could breathe because all of a sudden it just wasn't me alone. It was, we were together in this. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's how we oh, wow. found out. Um, the next morning I left for Connecticut. Uh, I was going to be there a week. He was then going to join me for a week. And then I was coming to Oregon and then he was going on tour for five weeks. Oh, so wow. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, yeah. Talk about planning. Um, <laughs> so I, um, and this, this little story weaves into how I, um, found my midwife and chose home birth. But, um, my, one of my best friends met me at the airport and, um, we are total birth nerds together. She is a labor and delivery nurse studying to be a midwife. And I, I'm a birth photographer. So I, although I did not want children, I love birth. I listen to birth stories every day. Still, I read, I had seen business of being born and orgasmic birth and Ina McGaskin and, you know, all of that. I, um, I was a total birth nerd. I had, you know, you, when you have the honor of being in a room with a woman giving birth, it's just, it's life altering. Mm-hmm. You see strength and vulnerability and it never, I've cried at every single birth I've ever mm-hmm. photographed. It's just a miracle. It's a miracle. And so, so she picks me up from the airport. She has three children. <laughs> um, I stayed with her for three days, I think, before I got the nerve to tell her. Um, I, again, chose a really awkward spot to tell her we were driving on the highway. And I said, I have something to tell you. And I started crying. <laughs> and she probably thought I was telling her some really horrible news. Mm-hmm. And I said, you can't be happy for me. You just have to be in, in this with me. I was like, you can't be happy. She said, okay. And I said, I'm pregnant. And to her great credit, she did not say a word. <laughs> She just let me talk and cry. And and then I, during the conversation, I said, and you can't say the B word. And she said, what? And I said, the B word. You can't say baby. <laughs> it's like, you can't say that word. And she said, she said okay, it's just, it's just a tiny little thing. It's just a tiny thing. And we ended up um, not finding out the gender. And so the whole pregnancy, we called the baby tiny <laughs> because, um, because she was like, it's just a tiny little thing. And so we called, Aww. yeah, we called my daughter tiny through the whole pregnancy. <laughs> um, it, was, it was really special. But um, so she's the one she, you know, eventually asked me 
have you thought about where you'd like to give birth and who you'd like to go with? And um, ideally in my mind, again, like I, this is just me personally. I, I do not think there is a right way to have a baby <laughs> or a right place. Um, I think there is a best way. And the best way is when you feel supported and empowered and listened to and safe and you have a team around you who you believe in, you know, mm-hmm. um, but because I had photographed home birth, birth center and hospital, ideally just for me personally, again, I, ideally I wanted a home birth, but we live out in the country. It's about 40 minutes from the hospital. And um, that made me nervous because I was no longer making the decision just for me. I was making the decision for another tiny human. <laughs> for tiny. Um, and so, yeah, for tiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I said, I think maybe a birth center. Um, so she got on, I, I was like, I can't think about it. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to even contact or who to talk to or questions to ask. And so she got online. She, um, there was only, I had photographed at the hospital here in the city and that, that there, they have a birth center connected to the hospital. I had also photographed there and I knew that I didn't, that wasn't my ideal. Um, but there was only one other birth center in the city. So she gave me the information for both and the birth center that was not connected to the hospital. She said, this looks really interesting. They have, excuse me, two female midwives and one male midwife. And I said, hmm. oh, okay. Thinking, I, I mean, that doesn't matter because I'm not going to have a male midwife. <laughs> so, but <laughs> <Okay>. that's great. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, Okay. So I came home and uh, I was I was alone. You know, my husband was gone for five weeks. I was so sick. Mm. Um, and I made two phone calls. And the first one, I called the birth center that's connected to the hospital. And I said, hi, I'm newly pregnant. I was wondering if I could come in and meet with a midwife and just ask some questions. And her answer was, we don't do that. And I what? paused. <laughs> yeah. I said, okay. I didn't know where to go. I was so nervous already calling. And, um, she said, you'll need to come in and we have a meeting once a month where you watch a video of a natural birth to see if that's what you actually want to do. And then you can tour the center and then there will be one midwife there that you can probably ask some questions to. And she gave me the date of the meeting and I said, thank you and hung up and felt utterly deflated and Mm -hmm. alone. And, um, I called the birth center, the other birth center and the woman who ended up being my midwife answered the phone. (laughs) And I said, hi, I'm newly pregnant. I was just wondering if I could come in and, um, meet with a midwife and ask some questions. And she said, of course, that's what we do. (laughs) I was like, how different, you know, amazing. Right. Um, And then not only that, but she said, how are you feeling? Oh. And I said, well, yeah, I said, I'm really sick. And I actually started spotting a little bit. And Mm. she asked the color and how much blood. And um, she said, it sounds pretty normal, but let me give you my cell phone. And if you have any questions at all, or if you start bleeding more, or if it turns red, bright red, just will you give me a call? And I said, sure. Okay. <laughs> and I hung up and I felt no longer that I feel alone. Yeah. Um, wow. How precious. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was really 
special. Um, so I went to meet with her and uh, spent, she spent an hour with me answering questions and asking questions. And I walked out of the birth center and I called my husband and I said, I want you to be part of this decision, but I think we just found our midwife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he met, met her and just loved her instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the pregnancy progressed. Um, I was sick, very sick the entire time. Um, and then <laughs> I don't remember, I'm terrible with timelines, but I don't remember when exactly these two things happened, but they were very significant at the time. So it's kind of mm-hmm. funny. I don't remember, but <laughs> I went in for one of my meetings and she sat down and she let me know that they made the decision to close down the birth center. Mm-hmm. So um, they were very legitimate reasons. Oregon, unfortunately, makes it really hard for birth centers to exist. Um, but then we were stuck with the decision of home birth or hospital. Um, because I think my age would have, I was automatically, I was, so I was 38. Uh, my tiny was due um, the day after my birthday. Uh, so I would have been 39 if I didn't go early. Um, so I was automatically labeled high risk. So I couldn't have gotten it. Yeah, it was, (laughs) I was healthy. So obnoxious. We're all fine. Yeah. I am in my (laughs) thirties. I'm a spring chicken. I am fine. Yeah. I'm good. I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So I couldn't have done the birth center at the hospital anyway, uh, Mm -hmm. because I was quote unquote high risk. So (laughs) it was home or hospital. Um, That was pretty tough decision. I spent two weeks going back and forth. I let a couple of friends in on the decision. And of course, my husband talked about it, but he said, ultimately, I feel like it's your decision. Um, And I knew what I wanted. I wanted a home birth, even from the beginning. But, um, you know, you're scared sometimes. You don't know what Mm -hmm. birth is going to be like. You don't know you know, you're 40 minutes from a hospital. So, um, I knew the statistics of, you know, you know, it's very likely everything's going to be okay, but you're just making a decision for a tiny human and not just yourself. So, um, we thought about it. We prayed a lot. We asked for guidance. So ultimately we decided home. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt pretty good about it, but still, still pretty nervous. (laughs) Um, and then we, I went back for another appointment. Um, this was a few weeks later, and with tears running down her face, my midwife said, uh, my licensing comes up a month before you're due, and I've made the really hard decision to not renew my license. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, because you know, you know, midwives, you get really attached to them. You feel safe with them. You feel Mm -hmm. like your baby's safe with them. Um, she said, um, she was brokenhearted and she gave me the reasons why I totally understood the reasons why she made that decision. Um, the other female midwife was already, you know, had clients around the same time I was due to give birth and so the male midwife was <laughs> available um, <laughs> uh, yeah oh, man. Uh, you know birth labor and birth you always are kind of like well anything can happen you know like mm-hmm. you just got to be open to anything happen 
that was the one thing I never expected <laughs> to happen was to have the choice between a male midwife or a hospital. hospital right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, she said, I want you to know that even though I can't act as your midwife, I want to be your emotional support. So I will come to every, if you choose to stay with us, I will come to every appointment and I will be at your birth. I just can't act as a midwife. Um, Mm. and so that made me feel much better. Um, that no, just knowing that she would be there and we had taken a childbirth class from the male midwife. So we knew him and we loved him. Um, Mm. and I trusted him. I, I just, he had years and years of experience. Um, I just never, that was never an option in my mind to have a male midwife. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's that's, like, I don't, there just aren't yes. many of them. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know of another male midwife. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we made that decision. Um, <laughs> so that's how I ended up with a home birth with a male midwife. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's um, like the perfect phrase. Yeah. So that's how I ended up with a home birth <laughs> with a male midwife. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating Didn't story. That coming. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so pregnancy progressed and, um, uh, before I get into the birth, I just wanted to say, I really, I did have fear around labor and birth, uh, because I mean, I had witnessed a lot of it and I loved it. I thought it was empowering and amazing. Um, but there were a couple of fears that I just, uh, had a really hard time letting go. One was back labor <laughs> mm. and the other was transition because I had seen so many women say, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. Please help me. Um, and I knew that that passed, but I just didn't, you know, you, you don't want to like walk in and you're like, yay, I can't wait to get to that point. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, there was just, there was fear and there was fear around having a baby. And um, even though, I didn't have a problem with my age. You, everyone seems to mention your age when you're older and pregnant. Right. <laughs> um, so there's this little thing of like, I don't know. And we, cho- we chose to do, we chose to not do a lot of testing and um, we only had one ultrasound. And so, you know, there's all these little things in the back of your mind. And so the whole pregnancy, I told myself your part-time job, like I looked at it as a part-time job is to eradicate fear around labor and birth. And so every day I spent a lot of time, as much time as I could eradicating fear. And so that looked like listening to positive birth stories, reading positive birth stories, reading Ina May, reading birthing from within. Um, I would, every day I would take a shower and I would put my forehead up against a wall and I would just breathe out the word surrender until my whole body relaxed because I knew that um, I really wanted a home birth and one of the things that could possibly change that would be if I had a lot of fear and it stalled things or um, if I wasn't, yeah, if I just, if I stalled things and it just went longer. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I, I really worked on that the whole pregnancy every single day just to end the fear around it um, and to get to a point where I knew that if I had back labor or if I reached that point in transition, that it would pass. And this is the goal was to um, 
birth in a place where I felt safe and um, where I felt heard and where I felt most comfortable. And so um, jump forward to 40 weeks and six days. Um, I woke up that morning with uh, back pain and um, I was really oh, annoyed. Great. Because, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, at that point, I thought, because um, I have an old injury from uh, carrying too much photography equipment around. So uh, my this one part of my back will act up. And I was like really annoyed. I was like, no, this cannot act up right now. And it never went away. It never ebbed and flowed. It just was the constant kind of pain in my back that I was used to happening occasionally. And But I also just felt like I just wanted to jump out of my skin that day. I just felt weird and like I was antsy and um, my husband and I went for a walk that evening and I was really <laughs> grumpy with him. And um, around 10 o'clock that night, I was like, I just, I just am going to try to sleep so that this pain will leave. And so... I got into bed and I was like, oh, I can't lay down. Um, and I was like, the bed's too soft. So I made a bed on the floor. And as soon as I made the bed on the floor, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I was like, this is now, there's like an intensity that's coming occasionally and then, you know, flowing away. And I was like, it's just, it's coming. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, done. It was like, I think I'm in labor. Um, I went to the bathroom, lost my mucus plug. I was like, yep, I'm in labor. So, um, I got on my yoga ball in my bedroom and had my electric candle going. And, um, I had always pictured early labor as like me making a bunch of soup for the midwives <laughs> and me cleaning my house. <laughs> I've seen women bake cakes, you know, like, but I did not count on back labor, which for me looked like there was no, um, like, break. So there was waves that would come, but there was no break. So between the waves that came, I needed to stay in my rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, so the entire night, <laughs> um, I also knew that exa maternal exhaustion is the number one reason for transfer from home birth to hospital. And um, so I was determined to do everything I could to not become dehydrated, which would lead probably to exhaustion. And so um, between waves, John would make me this labor aid, homemade labor aid drink and bring me crackers. Um, and then during a wave, he would push as hard as he could on my back because that's what felt good, um, which was surprising because I can't even have him rub my shoulders because I'm such a wind. But in that moment, <laughs> it's just like, it's just, that's what I wanted. He just pushed on that. And then he'd jump up and set up, you know, be setting up the birth pool and, you know, getting me labor aid. And um, so within two hours, we made the call to female midwife just to let her know that it had been the 511. You know, waves were coming every five minutes, lasting a minute for over an hour. And um, so she said, okay, I'll take a shower and I'll be over in a little while. And the plan was that she would be there just for, just to be there, just as emotional support. And then she would call the male midwife once things got going. Right. Um, so she came and um, for about the whole time I would basically um, also throw up between waves for the next nine hours. Oh um, gosh, so nine that, hours. <laughs> yes. yes. 
<laughs> so John would push on my back. Um, I would then, when the wave subsided, I would throw up my little trash can. And then um, I would, I was determined to not get dehydrated. So I would drink labor aid and I would eat crackers, even though I did not want to do that. Um, and so that just went on for quite a while. Um, and then eventually I felt like I wanted to be on my knees um, with my bum in the air. Um, so like my head was touching the floor. I was on my knees and my bum was in the air and it just felt like intuitively that's what I wanted to be doing. But after a couple of waves, I was like, can you go get the midwife? Cause this seems counterintuitive. <laughs> like <laughs> you want the baby to drop. You don't want to be like, <laughs> um, so, um, he went and got the midwife and I said, is this okay? And later I learned that it's a great way to reposition your baby. So, mm -hmm. um, cause we, we knew, we knew tiny was in a kind of funky position. And so it's awesome when your body like tells you what to do. Yeah, that is, it's so <laughs> um, neat. yeah, it's amazing. Our bodies are amazing. Um, so then, um, uh, I had also told, um, the midwives, I, I still call the female midwife a midwife because. She just was my midwife, but she wasn't right. acting as a midwife. So um, I had told them that I did not want to be checked at all unless they needed to for some reason. And if they checked me, I in no way wanted to know the number because I have watched the strength drain out of a woman when mm -hmm. she thought she was at a certain number and found out she was at a lower number. And I just, I didn't want that. And I've seen women go from five to 10 in less than an hour, you know, so exactly. anything can happen. And I just, yeah. I did not want a number. And, um, but the midwife said, do you mind if I check you? So I was checked on the bed and rolled over after midwife was done checking and um, my water broke and immediately I had a wave. And that was the only point where I, I panicked for a minute because I was out of my rhythm and I was in a position that didn't feel good. And so as soon as that wave ended, I, I told him, I said, get me off the bed, get me off the bed. Because <laughs> so I was like, I need my rhythm. My rhythm yep. works. Um, yep. And yeah, when you find your rhythm, you're like, nobody nothing, can get out of my rhythm. <laughs> nothing can change. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And so my midwife talked and then um, my female midwife said, she smiled and she said, Desiree, are you sure you don't want to know where you're at? And I knew them, but she, what mm -hmm. she was going to tell me. And she said, you're complete. She said, you're at the 10 and things are going well. And mm -hmm. I said without emotion, okay, that's good. Because <laughs> I just was in my mind, I was like, it's, in my mind, I also kept telling myself, this is going to get harder. This is going to get worse. Um, right. And it wasn't getting to a point that felt unbearable. Um, cause I had my rhythm <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and so I didn't, that didn't connect that I might have a baby soon. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it's only been like nine hours or what, you know, eight hours, mm -hmm. nine hours. I was like, surely I have like another 20 to go. So, um, um, so I just kind of continued for a little bit on my yoga ball, a wave would come. I also, every time, even from the very beginning, I would loosen my jaw because, you know, the connection between your jaw muscles and the pelvic floor. And I would just let out a breath with kind of a low sound and I would picture my cervix opening. So I just had done that all night and I still did that. And then eventually 
my midwife came and she's like, do you want to try to get in the pool? Mm. And I said, okay. And so I got in the pool and I was in there for maybe 20 minutes. And then a wave came and all of a sudden my body pushed. Mm. (laughs) I had no idea that was coming. I had no idea I was close because again, in my mind, I hadn't gone through transition because I hadn't reached that point of, I can't do this. I like, I hadn't gotten unbearable. Like I just, I was like, Oh, it's I'm pushing. <laughs> like I didn't even know that was going to happen. Right. Um, and so, which is pretty remarkable. It's pretty crazy experience. Um, so I, uh, Pushed a few more times. They kept checking the baby's heartbeat and at one point said, um, uh, we're having trouble finding the heartbeat. We need to get the baby out. And I immediately checked in with the baby and felt like everything's okay. But mm-hmm. they said, you need to push. When your body pushes, you need to push. And so I did that, but I kind of did it half-heartedly because it felt <laughs> awkward. Um, right. Because <laughs> my body was already pushing. So I was like, I don't know if I'm pushing right. I don't know. And then my male midwife said, Desiree, we're getting this baby out now. And so he came behind me. Um, I was in the pool. He was out of the pool. And he put his hands under my hands. And we interlocked fingers. And he basically coached me through pushing. Um, And I pushed with everything in me. And they wouldn't let me stop pushing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they got serious. And they did not show any fear. But they got serious. And you know when your midwives get serious, you listen to what they're saying. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> so, yeah, it's real. Um, so the baby came out pretty quickly. Um, I tore a lot. Um, mm. And the baby was fine, totally fine. They checked mm. the baby right away. Everything was fine. And my husband caught Tiny, put mm. Tiny in my arms. And there was this, like, sense of utter wonder, Um that this human had really been growing inside of me. Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was crazy. Um, And uh, wonder quickly turned into love, Um, Mm. a love I had never known or knew existed. Um, It was an amazing moment, and um, we still didn't know the gender. And um, real quickly, the whole pregnancy, I had felt like it was a girl. Um, Mm. But I also know, I mean, you know this, right? You also know. You've seen women who are convinced it's one gender and then the baby's born and it's another gender. Yep. And so um, I didn't, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't tell anybody, but it was just in my heart that this was a girl. And probably a month before I had her, everybody in the world, strangers, friends, family, like, oh, it's a boy, it's a boy, it's a boy. Mm. And so I went through this like grief of like, not because I didn't want a boy, but because I was like, I can't even do this. I can't even know my own child. Like something's broken inside mm. of me. Um, and I didn't want to look at the gender after she was born because I was afraid. Cause it would just, to me, it was another simple, like not that mm-hmm. people who don't know their child's gender, something's wrong with that. Not, but right. for me, no, it was no. like a symbol, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, because you felt you felt so right. strongly, right? Yes, yeah, that totally makes sense. It totally yeah. makes sense, especially with you know the the way that it all came about, with the journey that you were having, and you know your uncertainties about all of it. You know, that's like yeah. the one thing you're like, okay, well, I yes. felt this way. If this isn't right, then what yes. the heck do I have? Yes, exactly. That's exactly how I felt. And uh, John said 
should we check and see? And I said, okay. And he looked and he said, it's a girl. Oh. And I just, um, in that moment, everything broke open inside of me and I started crying and I said, sorry, I said, I knew you, I knew oh. you. And for me, that was like a really big moment of like, okay, I don't know how I feel about motherhood, but right now I know that I love her and I know that I knew her, you know? So that was really big. (laughs) Yeah, that was a big moment um, for me. Um, So, yeah, so that was kind of my journey into becoming a mother and then finding that, finding that love. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, I know we don't have a... No, it's just, it's amazing. You know, I don't know. It's kind of neat to think about how, how moms experience motherhood and, and that transition into motherhood. And, and perhaps, you know, for a lot of women, it's like this building of, of feeling over time. And, you know, you're feeling things through your pregnancy, you're getting more and more aware or excited, but this other idea of like this, all of this love just sneaking up on you in one moment yes. and just like, bam, it's here. I, there's something so incredible about that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like yeah. 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 Gosh, well, I don't know how you're going to top that, but, but I know that your second birth is so special too. So, so tell me about that one. Okay, I'll I'll do this one more quickly. But um, yeah, so I knew that for me, the decision to have children was always if it was either no children or more than one, because we mm-hmm. were older. Um, I wanted my child to have a sibling. So um, we tried fairly soon after Fairlight. Um, unfortunately, we had a, a miscarriage, um, which they would have been a year and a half apart. Um, but it uh, totally rocked my world. And I really had a hard time trusting my body after that. Um, cause I was so confident, <laughs> you know, after mm-hmm. giving birth and loving my baby, I was just so confident in my body. And, yeah. um, so we lost that baby at 12 weeks and two days. Um, I'm so sorry. And then we, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it was hard, but we got to, um, we got to bury him, um, on our property and it's really meaningful to have that spot. Um, it used to be really sad, but yeah, now it's a place of peace. And, um, so, uh, two months after that, we got pregnant again. Um, um, this pregnancy, I was again, sick the entire time. There's talk of hospitalization. Luckily that didn't happen. Had the same, I had my female midwife cause she had renewed her license, which was a joy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had her again. Um, the one thing that was difficult about this pregnancy is, um, I forget what it's called now, but my placenta was right up front. Um, yep. An anterior placenta. Anterior. Yeah. So it was hard to find the baby's heartbeat. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was hard. I didn't feel her moving as much as you would normally feel a baby moving. And so with having a miscarriage and then, um, having that, it was, it was I had a lot of anxiety. Um, yeah, I can imagine, but again, yeah, it was, it was a difficult time. Um, but again, I worked on my fears. Um, this time I was afraid of 
not having back labor, which sounds <laughs> funny, but, um, but I was like, I had back labor and I was fine. Like I can do that, but I'm a wimp when it comes to period cramps and everybody describes, mm-hmm. you know, labor as like having period cramps and I am a wimp at period cramps. So I was like afraid of not having back labor this time. <laughs> and I was afraid of either going quite long or quite short. <laughs> Um, um, and so this one was quite short. So, um, she was due actually on my daughter's second birthday. Um, so we had the birthday party for her. I was hoping she would be born on that day. I thought it'd be fun, but she wasn't. Um, (laughs) but the next day, uh, got up, um, and then around, we were just, John and I went on a date, um, and we were walking around downtown and I was like, I feel a little tightening in the front of my lower belly Um, because with Fairlight's birth, I never once felt anything in the front part of my body. It was all in my back until I was pushing her out. Mm -hmm. So with this, it was just a new sensation and it was just kind of a tightening. Um, And I thought, Oh, that either that sushi I just ate was bad or (laughs) like maybe this is something Um, the evening progressed. And then around seven 30, I was like, Oh yeah, these are waves good. It's great. It's great. Okay. Um, so I let my midwife, we had a doula this time, which mm-hmm. was awesome. Um, I let them know, I was like, Hey, it'll probably, I'll probably start, you know, middle of the night. So you might want to get some sleep. Um, and then, um, John started setting up the birth pool again. And then I was just looking at my text at, um, 9.57 p.m. My daughter was born, keep in mind, at 11.07 p.m. So an hour and 10 minutes before she was born, I texted my midwife. <laughs> I was like, hey, um, just wanted to give you a heads up. The waves are 6 to 12 minutes apart. They're really erratic. I don't have to breathe through them. Um, I just wanted to let you know I'll probably be calling you. Um, and then 10 minutes later, at 10 after 10, my husband called the midwife and said, hey, the waves are coming five minutes apart. And my husband is not a liar, and he lied. <laughs> and I was so <laughs> mad at him. I was like, you're lying. That's not true. But in, I later found out he was like, this is progressing quickly, whereas me, I was like, we have hours to go. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, he, <laughs> he said that. But Little did we know that my midwife said she had a feeling that she needed to come. So she was already on her way. She was about 40 minutes away. That's awesome. (laughs) Thank God. Um, My husband was terrified that we would have the baby without her. I was in la-la land of like, oh, we have hours to go. Um, (laughs) I was not concerned. No, I was not concerned. I even told him like very sternly when she was on, when he was on the phone with her, tell her not to hurry. (laughs) Mm. um, So... Um, my doula walks in, uh, 45 minutes before the baby was born. And at that point I started, um, I hadn't vomited the whole time. I vomited everything ever (laughs) inside Mm -hmm. of me and my whole body started shaking. And in my mind, the back of my mind, yeah, back of my mind, I was like, well, that kind of seems like transition, but (laughs) that can't be because we have hours to go. Mm-hmm. And this is probably just the beginning of me throwing up now every through every wave. Um, right. Dula came over. She took care of me. Dula's are angels on earth. I love them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, midwife walks in 
20 minutes before a baby was born um, and, you know, listens to the heartbeat. I have a wave and I say, I laugh because now I didn't have back labor. So now I can, like, I have that in between waves like I can talk, I can move, I can, I was like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And I laughed and I said, oh, I feel like I have, I have to poop. That's a good sign. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, the baby's moving down. Not, I know what that means. Like when I'm not in labor, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. (laughs) that means you want, you're going to get ready to push baby out. But (laughs) in my mind, I was like, oh, the baby's moving down. This is this is going quick. It's great. Um, the midwife then runs across the room and starts opening all of her bags, taking everything out. Um, she enlists, yeah, she enlists my doula's help because um, the midwife assistant hadn't gotten there yet. Um, so they're like doing their thing. Um, she comes over. She's like, listens to the baby's heartbeat. Um, apparently she didn't like what she had heard. So she suggested I get in the water, which she didn't tell me that at the moment. She told me that later. And then she listened to it in the water and it was fine. Um, but I get in the water. Um, she's again, like running around my house, not in fear, just in like go mode. Um, and I was in the pool and I will mention this real quick that, um, the one time in both of my labors when I felt fear, and for some reason it came at this moment and I was in a pool and I felt like I had floated above my body and I just felt like I was utterly alone. Like there was mm-hmm. no one in the pool with me. The midwife and doula were trying to get ready. My husband was changing his clothes because he thought he would get in the pool with me. And I had a wave at that moment and I could hear the fear come out in my voice because I was doing that groaning thing. And my mid, my doula walked over and I'll never forget this moment and she looked at me, she said, Desiree, you're okay. And in that moment, I was like, oh, okay. And I just, I felt my whole body relax. And, um, and it's amazing that she knew, like, she, I didn't say anything. She just knew. She said, Desiree, you're okay. And I felt my whole body relax. And I said, okay. And then she went back to help my midwife. Mm-hmm. And the next wave at the very end, my body pushed. My midwife ran over. <laughs> she said, Desiree. I know your body's pushing, try and slow it down. Just breathe through it. And I said, okay, okay. And she got up and ran back <laughs> to unpack all of her things. And um, the next wave came and my body just pushed. I could not do anything at all to stop it. I felt something come out of me, part of me, part of the baby come out. Mm-hmm. I looked up and I said, something just came out of me. <laughs> I, <laughs> a midwife ran over <laughs> with a flashlight and she looked and she said, okay, part of a baby's head is out to the next wave. Just try and breathe and go slow. And I said, okay. But in my mind, I'm like, I, I can't, my body's yeah. pushing. I can't stop it. You know, right. good um, luck with all that. She, yeah. I was like, I'll try. But, um, so she jumped up and ran, you know, getting everything ready and the wave came and my daughter came out in the pool, um, with no one catching her, um, <laughs> I said, the baby, the baby, the baby. And my midwife ran over. Uh, my husband grabbed her and brought her into my arms. And she uh, did not make a sound for a very long time. I kept asking the midwife, is she okay? Is she okay? And she's like, yes, yeah, she's fine. She looks great. Mm-hmm. And I think now I think she was just 
utterly quiet and looking around. And I think we were both were in that place of what just happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what, how did, that was quick. <laughs> what just happened? So, yeah. So wow. that's <laughs> Story that's, of the, <laughs> two girls. <laughs> that's yeah. the story of the midwife who <laughs> was on the other side yes. of the room. <laughs> yes. That's so cute. Yeah, the baby that so, just like was born into the pool. <laughs> yeah, but she just yeah, I was on my knees and she just went to the pool. So Aww. yeah, it was fine. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And what about I know you with the first birth just the, the circumstances you did end up tearing, what was it like with the second? Was it similar or? Um, I had, I just had to have three stitches. So not that bad. It was very, very different with the first one. I had over 10 stitches and I was in pain for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with this one, I felt like I felt totally fine. I didn't Mm -hmm. feel the tear. I didn't, yeah, I didn't feel stitches or anything. Right. So. Well, good. I'm glad that it, yeah. I'm glad it wasn't like, oh, it's the same thing again. Yeah. But- yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> wow. Gosh, what, what an incredible journey. I mean, I am, I really, I'm just so grateful that you came on. This is, it's such a different episode than we've had and hearing your perspective of, of how you even came to, to become a mother is just, it's an amazing story. And there's just so many tidbits in there that I like, I'm probably going to re-listen to this episode <laughs> on, on oh. a day that I'm not feeling well, because it's just it was so, so inspiring. I mean, really Desiree, just oh. so inspiring. And you can hear just the depth of your love and your voice. And it's, it's magical. Thank you so much. I feel really blessed. I'm- yeah, thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Ezra. It was just such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Caitlin. It was a real pleasure. Wow. Just so many emotions with this episode. I hope that you felt all of that like I did. It was just incredible. As we jump into our episode roundup, I have a few thoughts. The first one, and maybe the main one, the journey to parenthood is so different for everyone. Some people know from a young age they're going to want many children, but for others, like Desiree, perhaps that desire sneaks up and surprises them. I love hearing the many variations that we experience as mothers and how the love we have for our children comes in so many different forms. Next, Desiree's discussion of fear clearing throughout her pregnancy was such a wonderful reminder. With negative attitudes surrounding birth being the norm, it can take quite a bit of work to overcome fear. Treating it as homework or a part-time job showed the commitment Desiree had to eradicating any negative feeling or anxiety that she had about her upcoming birth. And the final little note that I had was I found it so fascinating Desiree's situation with her male midwife. And it sounds like he really was phenomenal and, and the situation turned out really great. So in no way are we hating on male midwives. In fact, if you are a male midwife and you're listening to this podcast, please email me. I would love to uh, interview you and hear your experience. So that would be awesome. What a gorgeous story. I hope this touched your heart as it did mine. That's all I've got for you today, my friends. I look forward to seeing you back here next week.